Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Um, Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Oh, my bed, I remember you. I think on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your, of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the pit of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of the liars will be silenced. Amen, amen. Guys, it's good to be with you all. It's good to be with everyone. Um, if you're tuning in online, really good to have you. It's great. We'd love to see you in person sometime soon again. But in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and stay home. And for everyone else here, it's good to see everyone. We just need to get a couple more seats filled. Um, guys, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced trauma before. Any kind of trauma, whether it's something, something big. It could be a death or something small. You could have cut your finger or any kind of trauma. But whenever I was growing up, I had, a, I had a grandfather who was in a bad car accident. Now, I was born in 1990, and he had this car accident in, the, I think, the early or maybe mid-1980s. And, and in the car accident, he was, he was going down to Dublin. He was going to get on a, a boat and go to, uh, go to London for, for a business meeting. And on his way down to Dublin, he was in a car crash. And the car ended up going through a hedge and into a field. And my grandfather ended up out of the car on the grass. And the problem was he, he got up and he, was, he, he dusted himself down and he, he was okay. But the thing is, he, glass went in his eye and he, he could no longer see out of it. And so in that car crash, my grandfather lost his eye. And so very quickly, going from having a normal life, going to run, run on a business, traveling as an evangelist, uh, to, to a life-changing injury that would forever shape his life. And so... I was born in 1990, I didn't know him, probably to 94, but growing up, I got to know him, and what I got to know about him was that his external circumstances were not his source of satisfaction or the security that sustained him. Having his glass eye was like a, was his, his party trick. He would, uh, usually preachers would stand over the pulpit and, and they would uh, take off their glasses and they would put their glasses in their mouth and then they'd put them on again and they'd just play around with them. My grandfather would have taken them off and tapped his glass eye with them. And if there's something that's going to waken up the church, it's having a pair of glasses tap a glass eye. And anyway, my, my grandfather's source of satisfaction and security that sustained him did not come from external circumstances. And as we jump into Psalm 63 today, we're going to discover one of David's personal laments. 
from a season of wilderness. And, and that'll help us discern our own hearts when we find ourselves under pressure and, and trouble and a tough situation. And then secondly, it'll, it'll actually help us respond and learn how to respond with devotion rather than despair. So the context, Psalm 63, David, David thought his days in the desert were over. He thought his days in the desert were over. He'd spent seven years in the run from Saul. He'd spent his time in the desert. He knew the desert season all too well, yet he finds himself back here once again on the run, this time from a guy called Absalom, his, his son. His son is trying to kill him to take his throne. If there was ever a person who had a reason to despair, it was David, finding himself back in the same old places before. And have you ever had that moment where you're thinking, oh, not again, here we go again. Or how did I get back here again? I want to tell you, you're in good company. This story, this psalm kind of comes from 2 Samuel 15. And, and this, is a, this is a psalm of lament. David is lamenting, but he's also praising God. And so what you ask, what are prayers of lament? And it's in these moments of crying out to God, being raw, being authentic, and even protesting to God over something. It's this genuine appeal. It's a genuine appeal to God in times when it doesn't seem fair, when you're feeling the pressure of something beyond your control. In church, perhaps it's an illness. Perhaps it's a breakdown in a relationship. Perhaps it's an injustice in, in your workplace or even in society. And you come before God with this raw expression and so in times of lament, it's important that we remember and we recognize what's going on around us, but the external pressures must not dominate an inward devotion to Jesus. Therefore, in moments of lament, like in today's psalm, it's important that we seek God because he satisfies and we praise God because he sustains. So in your lament, seek God because he satisfies. For, for David, church, for David, the, the desert was a barren, a desolate place. He couldn't enjoy the comforts of home. And not only that, David is on the run from his own enemies while exposed and not being protected. If you think about it, he was in Jerusalem. He had his palace, he had his walls, he had his stronghold. He had his people. And now he's in the desert. He doesn't have any of this. He's no fortified walls. He's no strongholds. Everything about David is out in the open. If there's ever a place where you're going to be anxious when you're on the run, it's out in the open. For me, the closest I've got to this has been in a paintball arena when you're, you're completely exposed and you're on the run from one area to the next and you don't quite make it and you're in no man's land and you're about to be absolutely nailed by the paintballs. That's the closest I've ever got to it. But David is on the run and he is exposed. Look at what he says. Look at verse one with me. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Church, we're, we're tempted to think of a lush green hillside with a fast-flowing stream and pictures of a, of a well-fed, well-nourished Bambi deer bouncing around looking for some water to drink. In another psalm, David is, is saying, like, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, God. And we're tempted to think of this, this beautiful Bambi deer who's slightly parched it just wants to cool off. Once a nice flow of water just to quench the thirst, this couldn't be farther from the case. David's desperate. David is desperate. He's in the wilderness. He knows a lack of water supply. He's absolutely thirsting. He knows what it is to be completely dry. He knows what it is to be cut off from water supply. But yet he's saying, God, I thirst for you. I long for you. I want you. David knows the lack of water. He knows the lack of physical provision. 
And he knows of his deep need for the physical, but yet he's saying, God, I seek you. And so it's in the same way that he's desperate for water. David is so desperate for God to survive in the desert. He's saying, I want you even more. I'm so desperate for you. Look at verses 2 to 5. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Interestingly, you know, David does not lament the obvious. He doesn't lament the fact that he's been chased down. He doesn't lament the fact that his son is against him. He actually laments being away from the sanctuary of the Lord. He laments being away from the sanctuary of the Lord. He misses being with the worshiping community. And in the past six months, we've all had similar feelings as we've grieved from being away from one another for long periods of this year. Church, I should be eight months deeper in a friendship with some of you guys. And, but because of all the pandemic, because of distancing, and because of we can't get to be together physically, I, I, I grieve because I, I lack. David knows what it is to have worshipped together with God's people in the past in better times where God had revealed his power and his glory and yet here he is in a desert. And in the de- desert, David laments for what is better. Absolutely, but he does not sulk. He seeks God, he worships God, he glorifies God. He says, God, your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. He knows that presence and the power of God are available, whether it's a church, whether it's a house, or, or whether, whether it's in the desert that he's in. Perhaps you're here today and you're here in person. Back in the community, once again, I want to tell you, praise God that you guys are are accessible in the the presence of God, in the house of God, with the people of God, and that's great. You know, perhaps you're online today and you're unable to get back to physical church yet, and you don't know when, and, and you're lamenting the lack of community and the isolation. I want to tell you, praise God that in your lament, you have direct access to God. You have direct access wherever you are. There's a guy, Derek Kidner, who wrote a commentary in the Psalms, and he says, God is not the prisoner of a sanctuary. Therefore, wherever you're at, you have access to praise God at all times, lifting up your hands and surrender and devotion, even when the external pressures threaten to dominate. So whether whether you're listening online or here in person, if you're experiencing a desert season, then take heart, because it's in this season that God wants to reveal himself to you He wants to identify idols. He wants to identify sinful tendencies, the things that we throw our security upon. And so for many of us, the desert seasons are the moments that either make us or break us. You see in the slide behind me, this this cool chart where we see hope, time, and reality. We see the desert. Guys, we, we stand on the hope of God. We cling to the promises of God of an abundant life of life in the fullest, that, that God will never leave us, God will never abandon us, that his promises are for our good. But it's true, isn't it? Our experiences don't always match up, and that's frustrating. The reality of our experience suggests otherwise. As time goes on, we find an ever-widening gap between our hopes, our expectations, and the reality before us. It could be a breakdown in marriage, maybe, miscarriage, broken relationships, an old habit that you can't shake, a discontent with your job or a discontent with the people around you, an inability to secure a long-term job, perhaps. I want to tell you, God can allow us to experience these desert seasons 
so that we can find him in the gap. Do you see that gap? That gap is one of the most important parts of your lives. We can encounter God in the gap. Idols can be burned off in the gap. The realization that our deepest needs can only be truly fulfilled by God in the gap. True dependence is best fostered in the desert as we cling to God. Where? In the gap. Our source of joy in the desert is found in the God who meets us. Where? In the gap. I wonder in these moments what fills your hearts and minds the quickest. It's likely that these can be our securities and what we fall back on in the tough times. And you know, maybe you're there and that's okay. Join with David. Join with David. Don't allow the external pressures to dominate an inward devotion. So whether you find yourself in the desert and the gap between the hope and reality, know that God not only wants to comfort you there, he actually wants you to thrive there. It doesn't just have to be a place of comfort and a place of just waiting. It actually can be a place of thriving. Guys, the deep satisfaction we find in God is not is very often not, not truly found in the good times, but actually in the hard times. There's so many people like I could tell you, go, go and chat to this person, chat to that person. They'll testify that the good times often isn't the times of growth. It's actually in the hard times. In the seasons of pressure, seasons of trial, turmoil, the moments where, where our reality doesn't match our hope, God still satisfies and he still provides a way to thrive in a desert place. So in your lament, church, seek God because he satisfies. And in your lament, praise God because he sustains. David knows his reality, but he doesn't let his reality distract him from his devotion. Look at verses 6 to 8 with me. He says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Why? Why why does he remember you? He says, I think of you, why? You are my help, why? I I sing, I cling, why? Look at the last bit. Because your right hand upholds me. The right hand of God sustains David and he knows it well. Despite being in the desert, despite the, the pressures mounting around him, David does not quit singing. And neither did, did David simply uh, take and recite another psalm. It's not as if David pulled out of his back pocket and flicked through the psalms and they didn't just pick a different one and say, okay, I'm just going to use that. David didn't take a different psalm and recite it, hoping for a, a better circumstance, uh, hoping for a, a different occasion. He didn't, he didn't pray for, for better times to come. David carefully made his worship suitable to his circumstances. And he presented to God a wilderness song when he was in the wilderness. It's so important, guys. Even though there was a desert around David, there was no desert in his heart. David had a life experience. He'd experienced plenty. He knew well the God who sustained him in the past, and he was confident in the same God who would sustain him now. Guys, there won't be one of us who will not experience seasons in a metaphorical desert. They are sure to come. And I wonder, do you know well this God? Are you tempted to trust him in the good times when little trust is needed, but then fall back into trusting other things when the tough times come? You know, often the things that, that, that we fall back on are good things. They're family, finances, friends, or tangible securities. But we know time and time again, these neither satisfy fully nor sustain wholly. 
And so what are some of the deserts that you've been through in the past where you found God to be your rock, your hope, your sustainer? What, what are some of the deserts? I tell you a little story about my grandfather and the, and the car accident. After the car accident, he got an ambulance, rushed to hospital along with his friend who went as well. He was rushed to hospital and very quickly he was told he was going to lose his eye. Physically, he would never be the same again. Um, he, his driving would change if, if he would ever drive again. Would he be able to resume his business? And what, what toll would this take on him mentally after having just survived the troubles in Northern Ireland? The rest of his life would be lived between the tension of, of hope and reality with the reminder of a glass eye. His glass eye would be a reminder of the tension between hope and reality for the rest of his life. And so the top of the glass eye, yes, was a party trick, but it was also a reminder that, that you know what, he, he, he's going to get two, two new eyes someday. But while he has this glass eye, he, he still lives in this tension. Behind the curtain in the hospital next to him was a little boy who had just lost his eye in a different type of accident. His mother was in a terrible state, as she would be, and my granda got to sit beside them and encourage them with the gratitude that he had for God because he still had one good eye remaining. He got to inject hope into the lament. He got to seek God in the desert. He had the privilege of leading three of the nursing staff to Christ during his stay in the hospital. Learning to thrive in the desert seasons will build spiritual muscle and will put fuel in the tank for whatever else is to come down your road. He absolutely said losing the eye was worth it to see people come to know Christ. In praising God, our sustainer, we have confidence that when we enter into these seasons, for however long, we, we have the example of David who was able to thrive under pressure because he could sing in the shadow of God's wings. Knowing his satisfaction and sustenance was found under the protection of God. So I have a personal example in, in David and then a personal example in my grandfather as an example of somebody who thrives under pressure, not allowing the externals to dominate his internal devotion. And you might say, well, you know, Matthew, that's all well and good for you. You have that example. I don't have that example. I want to tell us we all have a greater example in Jesus who too knew what a desert season was like. In, in Luke chapter 4, um, Luke records Jesus' 40 days a journey in the desert where he was, he was offered quick fixes to resolve the tension between hope and reality. I don't know if you've ever had quick fixes, but these quick fixes were, in a really popular passage, the devil comes and he tempts Jesus with these three promises, and he, and he tempts him with a satisfaction of provision, appealing to Jesus' hunger, a quick fix. It would sort his hunger. He tempts him with the crowning of a kingdom. He would appeal to Jesus' position. It's a quick fix. He gets his position. He is king of all the kingdoms. He tempts him with the pride of his position. He appeals to Jesus' power. And, and he says, you know what, Jesus, you drop, drop yourself down from the temple. The angels will catch you. And, you know, Jesus will have all the power in the world. Jesus rebukes him. Jesus had the opportunity to quickly bridge the gap between hope and reality, yet he chose not to. He chose to come under the authority of the Father, and he worshipped God alone. You know, like David the externals threatened to overtake him. So he makes God his all-consuming focus. Why? That he might get beyond the trappings of this world. You know, as I close, while David found his satisfaction and sustenance in the seeking and praising of God, 
it does not take away from the fact that he was lamenting and grieving a loss. I don't want to beat about the bush. It's, it's great. David, David responded so well, but he was still grieving a loss. David was on the run. He was away from Jerusalem, the center of worship, totally separated from the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God's presence dwelled. And he felt a separation from God and he felt a separation from the worshiping community. David is in a lonely place. Will you look with me at 2 Samuel 15, 30 on the screen? But David continued up the Mount of Olives. He was going away from Absalom. He was going away. He was on the run with his people weeping as he went. His head was covered and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. See the picture of David leaving Jerusalem, leaving the ark, leaving what was the presence of God? Around a thousand years later, Jesus Christ would ascend that very same hill and would make his way into the Garden of Olives, which we know as the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus pleaded with God to see if there was any other way. Take this cup from me. If there's any other way, take it from me. And he says, yet not my will, but yours. You know, at the cross, Jesus was separated from God so that we don't have to be. So that in our desert season, in our dry spells, in the times of pressure and in the times of trial, we do not have to be separated from God. Instead, our seeking and our praises towards God who is ever present in times of trouble. A God who has experienced separation a God who's experienced grief, a God who's experienced loss, lament, pressure, a God who has entered into human experience in Jesus and has triumphed. And so like the imperfect David and like the perfect Christ, when God becomes our all-consuming focus, church, we can go beyond the trappings of this world. So we can seek God because he satisfies. We can praise God because he sustains so that, so that we do not allow external pressures to dominate an inward devotion, so that we can thrive even in the desert season. I encourage you just to close your eyes where you're at, and if you're online, please close your eyes as well. I want to ask you a question. What are some of the glass eyes that serve as a reminder that we live in the tension? What's your glass eye that serves as a reminder that, that you, that we live in this tension between hope and reality? And perhaps something's in your mind right now, and perhaps the Lord is going to bring something to your mind in the, in the coming week. I want to encourage you to take that and to take it straight back to God and begin to worship God in it. Because we live in this reality of the, of the now and not yet. I want to encourage us for our response to be one like Jesus, one like David's. Or at the very start, he says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. May our response to these glass-eyed moments be one of turning towards Jesus in praise. Amen. Amen.